0: Hey, it's Louise's Bible study again. I'm sorry I've kind of been away for a little bit. I was running through my bathroom the other morning and had an argument with a piece of furniture and broke my little toe. For all of y'all who know what that's like, then you can pray for me. Otherwise, I am on the heel. Healing side of recovery. But I can tell you it was not comfortable uh, at all. And so, um, we just have to be careful. Uh Satan didn't do it, um, and demons didn't do it. Louise was just walking too fast through her bathroom with her shoes off, period. But anyway, it kind of put me off of my feedback for a couple days. We've been talking about prayer. Prayer is so important. There are two main fundamentals uh, in the Word of God. There is the, the study of the Word of God and... The praying of the Word of God. And prayer is our lifeline to God. And so we need to get more familiar with prayer. We need to be more comfortable with our prayer life. And we need to pray for success. And I think those are some things we need to talk about today. I want to address a few of them. But there are some grounds for prayer that Jesus has given to us, that God has given to us. He has a lot to say about it. And if you go to John chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus says some things here that are really interesting. I remember the first time I read this, I had to go back and go, Whoa. I have been studying the Word for a long time, and this suddenly just popped out at me. You know, I don't think you can ever exhaust the wisdom of God's word. I don't think if you ever get to the point that you think you know everything there is to know about God's word, then you are in deep trouble because you can never exhaust the depths of the word of God. There's always some wonderful treasure that will pop out at you. And um, in verse 12, Jesus is addressing his disciples and he said most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me and the works that I do he will do also whoa that's powerful and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father and verse 13 he says and whatever you ask whatever I want you to underline that word if you've got your bibles out you need to have your bibles out you need to you always need to study with the word in front of you and it says and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask anything in my name I will do it and there are some wonderful truths here that we need to go back over first off he says whatever you ask in my name that I will do Wow so the first thing number one is we have to do the asking you know we have become so passive in this generation of Christians and I don't know if it's just this generation actually I grew up in a Christian home but prayer was never a predominant factor in our home it never was um we went to church and we had faith without power. And I don't think we ever prayed expecting a real answer. That just wasn't, that was a ritual, that was a process, but it wasn't really something that we expected and we really didn't go to, to God in prayer for much of anything. We just kind of slid along, uh, just expecting whatever happened, happened and God was in control and Therefore, you know, it must have been his will that uh, the house burned down and the children got sick and yada, yada, yada. And we never really learned anything that I know of uh, about the word, but we made it to Sunday school and church. We made it on Wednesday nights and we made it on Sunday nights. And I love church. As a child, I can remember there, I was singing about the other day, looking up at the stained glass window of Jesus with his hands out. I love that. I just love that. I remember looking at it and thinking, whoa, that is so awesome. But you know what? It's really sad when you grow up and that's about all that you can take away from your experience in church. Other than the fact that you loved Easter and Christmas and you got to wear new cute clothes and blah, blah, blah. And you know, but but when you're talking about learning something, no, that was just not a process we were involved in. And um, so when I first read this, the the first thing that stuck out to me was whatever you ask. Okay, I want you to take that word ask and we're going to look at it. And it's really interesting because in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Jesus says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And I want you to take your pencils and go back and look and say, Ask, Seek, and Knock. Write the words out. Ask, Seek, and Knock. And the first letter of each one of those, A-S-K, spells ask. You know, I just love it. I just love this. It's like putting a wonderful, exciting puzzle together. And I don't think God puts anything in His Word just by... Oh well that just happened to come out that way and i think it's wonderful because he says here ask seek knock and the word spells first letter of each one a-s-k asking is your part god has already done everything that you need for life and godliness he has already done when he said when jesus sat down at the right hand of the father it was finished it was done everything that you needed god already has an answer for the problem that you don't even know that you have the problem and he already knows when the problem's coming he's already prepared the answer but the 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 situation is we don't ever bother to ask god for the solution and i think that the important thing of asking is recognizing and asking You humble yourself enough to to say, basically, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I'm going to a higher power. I'm going to the God of the universe. I'm going to the God that is my Father. And I'm seeking you, Father. I'm coming to you. It's a humbled process of turning your problems and your life and your situations over to God and when you ask somebody to do something you've really humbled yourself because you basically said this is out of my hands I can't solve this on my own and so it takes pride out of the picture and I think pride stops us so often from going to God you know Let me say something here that's going to shock some of you. (coughs) Excuse me. The first promise that a sinner can legally claim through the death of Christ is that of forgiveness and cleansing from all sin. And if a sinner will truly repent and turn from sin to righteousness and get born again, he is immediately on praying grounds for anything else that God has promised to men. Now, if you're not born again, you're not in the family. If you're not in the family, you're not part of the inheritance. God is not obligated to do anything for you if you're not in his family. Now, let's put this down with the rubber meets the road. For those of you who have children and even those who don't, I have a legal not only a biological, a moral, but I have a legal obligation to take care of my children. It's my legal and moral obligation to clothe them, to feed them, to find them a place to sleep, to look after them, to meet their needs, and to be there for them. It is not my legal, moral obligation to take care of my neighbor's children. And if I should do that, it's by grace. But it is not something that is owed them. It is not something they can reach out and expect because they're not part of my family. Okay? So what we're saying here is this. If you're not a believer, if you've not been born into the family of God, you have no legal right to approach God in prayer for anything outside of forgiveness for your sins and salvation for your soul, for your spirit. And once you're born again into the kingdom of God, you become automatically in line, in the family, and in the presence of God. And you have a right to approach your father on his word, on the grounds of his promises, for anything that you have need of doesn't matter if you've just been born for five minutes or you've been born for 30 years everybody has the same grounds to approach the father on so it is our right as children to come to god and expect an answer well then some people are saying yeah but louise does god answer does he ever say no? Yeah, there are times when God's going to say no. Why? Because what you're asking him is contrary to his word. And anything that you ask has to be in the binds of his will. Okay? So you have to know what the will is in order to know what you legally can come to the Father and ask him for. And if what you're asking is outside of his will, which is his word, he is not obligated to answer that. There are other reasons that we don't get answers, but that's one of them. Uh, Over here in Matthew 7, 9, and 11, Jesus says, "If If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more... Shall your heavenly father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? You see, there's that there's that asking him again, number one. And number two, what he's saying here is: if your earthly father does good things for you, how much more do you think that your heavenly father is going to do for you? But I worked in jail and I intend to go back one of these days. And for nine or 10 years I taught in the jail and I, 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 I learned a lot. I not only learned a lot about how to teach God's word and God's word, but I learned a lot about how people thought. One of the things that I ran up against was the contorted idea that so many people have by bad parents. I had girls who had been emotionally and physically molested and abused by their fathers I heard stories that would make your hair curl I saw sadness I saw evil at his absolute utmost and I saw what it does to people and when I would say and talk about their Heavenly Father it was like their faces shut down and the reason their faces shut down was because the concept of a father was so foreign so awful so terrible they couldn't possibly relate to God. So how do you break through that? How do you get past that? Because see, we carry a lot of garbage around. We carry a lot of our past into our present and into our future. And how do I get rid of that? How do I cleanse that out of me so I can have an understanding? I'm going to tell you how you do it. First off, jesus says i have come to show you the father he said everything that i do is the will of my father everything that i say is the will of my father jesus did nothing but going around preaching teaching healing and doing miracles And feeding and loving the lost. And his love was so great, so overwhelming. He showed the woman at the Samaritan woman at the well, who basically said, I don't deserve forgiveness. And he said, Yeah, I know you've had five husbands. And I know the one you're living with right now is not your husband, but it doesn't matter because it's not about that. It's about me. It's about receiving me and my forgiveness and my love. He loved on the cross when he had been beaten and 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 spit upon and everything that you could think of, and had his clothes ripped off of him and was nails in his hand. And he still looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. You see, that was from the mouth of the Father too. You see, the Father has such tremendous love that he gave the most precious thing he had, his only son, to die for you and me. And we take that so lightly, but it wasn't a light thing that God did. It was the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity. And what what Jesus is saying here is this, if my father was willing to give me for you, why would he withhold anything else from you? If the greatest gift he could give was for your salvation was me, why would you ever question His willingness to do anything in His will for you. So what we have to come to is that understanding of who God is. And if you want to find out who God is, then I would tell you to go to the Gospels. I would tell you to study the life of Jesus. Study His actions. Study the things He did, the things He said, the people He hung out with. You know he didn't hang out with the religious leaders he didn't hang out with the cool kids he didn't hang out with the well-heeled no he hung out with those had nothing to give him in return he hung out with those that really they didn't have anything they could do for him and he did everything for them he loved the worst of the worst I've had people say to me, how can you go into the jail? I can't stand it. I don't even be around those people. Those people could be you except for the grace of God. And you know what? They're some of the sweetest people I ever met sitting in that jail. Why? Because they didn't have any pretense. They didn't have any any, pride. They had nothing, and when they saw somebody that was willing to come in and sit down and and knew that they could be somewhere else, but they chose at that moment in time to come and and spend their time with them and share with them, the love I got back was so much more than anything I could have possibly have given, And, and you know what? That's the way Jesus was. Jesus says, when you do this to others, you're doing it for me. When you go to the jail, when you go to the homeless shelters, when you go and do for others who have nothing they can do back for you. I am so off the point here about prayer in one way, but I want you to know the reason we're coming to this is so many people have such a messed up, concept of a father, that it's really hard for you to wrap your brain around the fact that God is not only God, but he wants to come down and be your daddy. He wants to be your father. And he wants to be the one that you come to in the first thing in the morning and the last thing at night. And he wants you to be, he wants to be a part of every aspect of your day, everything that you do. He wants to be so wrapped up in your life. And so we're learning here about this is all what prayer is. This is all about prayer. And so the first thing we have to do is number one, we've got to be born again. Okay. And number two, we have to come to the Father expecting that he is going to be above anything we could possibly ask or think and then we have to learn to ask and then we have to learn how to receive so i'm going to wrap it up here today with a prayer for salvation and then we're going to pick it up from here because my husband allows me x amount of time on youtube and so we're I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to stop here and then we're going to pick it up again. But I want anyone that is listening to me, if you have any question at all, whether you're born again, now is the time to solve that. Because salvation is not based on your good works and salvation is not based on what a good person you are and salvation is not based on whether you smoke, drink, chew, or hang around with those that do. Uh, salvation is based on one thing and one thing only, and it's Jesus Christ. That's the issue, and it's it's so simple that people make it complicated. Only religion can make this complicated, and that's why God hated religion. We're not religious here. It's not about what your works. It's not about how many times you go to uh, church is not about how many times you've given to the salvation army or anything else it's simply about jesus and so as i pray this prayer i want you to pray out loud with me and know it's the simplest prayer but it's the most life-changing prayer that you will ever pray so father in the name of jesus i come to you today and i acknowledge that Jesus is my, my Savior, that He is the Son of God, that He died for my sins. I pray that you will forgive me and that you will open the doors of heaven and receive me as your child, as I so receive Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And the Word says, "...whatsoever you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, it shall be done by the Father which is in heaven." And I know now that I am in the family of God. Thank you. If you prayed that, welcome to the family of God. And we're going to pick up from here and go on. And I love everyone one of you. And thank you for praying for my toe. In Jesus' name, bye-bye.